Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. My name is Lizzie. Um, I, I live down the road. Um, I've been part of this church for a little while. Um, I know most of your faces, but there's definitely a few people here that I don't know today. So welcome if you are new. Um, but let me start. Life is pretty hard, isn't it? Now, I don't want to send us into a negative spiral, but there's always something going on that is tough. There's always someone we know, if it's not us, that's facing something difficult. And for those of us who follow Jesus already, just because we stand out from the rest of the world, just because we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, we will face even more suffering. In fact, when the Bible talks about suffering, it's mostly talking about the suffering people face just because they're Christians. Until Jesus returns or we go to be with him in heaven, suffering and difficulty is going to be part and parcel of the world we live in. But some of the most incredible, inspiring, wonderful, God-glorifying people I know are those who face struggling with their eyes fixed on Jesus. We can face suffering on our own or we can face suffering with Jesus. I heard someone recently say that they want to learn how to walk through their life story alongside Jesus. I really want that too because if I'm honest, sometimes it takes me a really long time to turn to Jesus for help. Instead, I might try and block it out by endlessly scrolling on my phone or I find myself heading towards the fridge to try and eat away my worries or I'm more likely to binge watch on Netflix than pick up my Bible. I'm sure we're all guilty of using coping mechanisms when we're struggling but we know that actually none of these things help us in the long run. They don't make the struggle go away. Over the last few weeks we've been looking at the book of Hebrews. It's a letter written to a group of people who were Jewish but had become Christians. They'd recognised that Jesus was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for and so they'd started following him. But they'd quickly discovered that actually following Jesus was really hard. They were facing opposition and persecution and they were so tempted to give up. And actually, some of them did. We don't know who wrote this letter, but we know that this letter was written as an encouragement to them to keep on going. And the way they were to keep on going was to hold on tight to Jesus. It's exactly the same for us today. We may not face persecution, but we all face difficult times that can challenge our faith. We're going to spend this next few minutes looking at Hebrews chapter 4 um, into 5 and see how when we, as we struggle in our faith, in our various life circumstances, 
the best thing we can do is not fill ourselves up with cake or spend money we don't have or have a glass of wine just to take the edge off. The best thing we can do is to hold on tight to Jesus. But when times are tough, when we've got more questions than answers, when the road ahead looks like an uphill struggle, how? How do we hold on tight to Jesus? Well, this passage that we're going to read in a second encourages us to do two things. Firstly, confidently run to God. And secondly, hold on tight to our faith. Before we think about those two things, though, I'm going to pray that God will speak to us, and then Andy is going to read the passage. Lord, we thank you for your word, and, and it is your word to us. This is you speaking to your people. God, we want to hear it as you speak. God, will you open our ears um, to, to hear you speaking to us? Will you encourage us? Will you challenge us? Will you, will you be at work in us this morning? Amen. And he's just going to wait for the um, police car to go past. Ambulance. <laughs> Ambulance. Thank you, Stephen. Four, fourteen to five, seven. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours un- understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people, because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honour. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honour himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry of tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Thanks, Andy. So, firstly, we are to confidently run to God in our time of need. Before Jesus came along, um, if things were difficult and hard, in order to go to God for his help, the people had to go through the high priest. Now, the high priest was an ordinary person who had been chosen as God's representative because the people understood that God was holy and they were sinful. And the high priest acted as a go-between. The priest had to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people to gain God's forgiveness so they could have access to God. The problem was the high priest wasn't sin-free either. He had to offer sacrifices for his own sins. The system was flawed. But Jesus, rather than being flawed, was perfect. He never ever sinned. He was the great high priest chosen by God. 
When Jesus sacrificed his own life on the cross, he perfectly atoned for all the sins of the people. That's you and me too. I think we would all agree that if someone breaks the law, there should be a consequence. A judge wouldn't be doing a good job if he let criminals get off scot-free whenever they committed a crime. And God is the perfect judge. When Jesus died on the cross, the perfect sacrifice he made meant that all our sin is 100% forgiven. Are there things that make you feel guilty and ashamed? This morning I want you to know that the punishment that you deserve was paid for by Jesus on the cross. You are free. God looks at you and he sees the perfection of Jesus. The judge of the whole world, the perfect judge of the whole world looks at you and says you're innocent. Go and live in freedom. And because we are free, we have, we have permanent access to God. So in our time of need, and even when we don't think we need it, because we actually always need it, we can run to God. Becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is basically saying, wow, God, you paid the punishment for my sin. Thank you. You love me that much. I want to give my life to following you because you've set me free from sin and shame. That's basically what becoming a Christian is. Because of Jesus, if we put our trust in him and what he did for us on the cross, verse 16 says, we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. We don't need a go-between. When you see Christians experience the most difficult thing, things and are still able to praise God, it's not because they're extra special in any way. It's because they ran to God and he's given them what they need to keep going. But it's funny, isn't it, how actually often the opposite happens. Instead of running to God in our time of need, we run from him. Sometimes we run everywhere but God, even when the truth is that there's absolutely nothing that could shock him or make him not love us. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that God doesn't want us. Satan wants us to feel ashamed and embarrassed. The last thing the enemy wants for us is to go to God because he knows that Jesus is where we'll find true life, acceptance and love. The enemy wants us to be distracted by our phones and the fridge, anything but Jesus. I remember when I was about 16, I discovered that drinking a concoction of whiskey, vodka and cider in the park with my friends, who happened to be the church youth, wasn't such a good idea. My little brother um, was contacted to come and rescue me and he managed to carry me home from the alley um, that he found me in without my parents knowing. In fact, they knew nothing about it until our church leader, Howard Mason, rang up my dad to ask if he knew why his 13-year-old daughter was unconscious in the garden. Dad came, up to, came upstairs to find me fully dressed, 
throwing up in the bath. My dad was so embarrassed and so ashamed of my behaviour that he wasn't able to speak to me for a week. Maybe that is what we expect God to be like, a disappointed father. Or perhaps we think of God as being like a a harsh father or a distant father maybe. Maybe life has taught us that we're better off to hide our sin and struggle from God and each other. But the incredible news of the gospel is that we don't have to. Jesus took our punishment. And when God looks at us, he never sees our pukey mess in the bath fully dressed mess. He sees the perfection of Jesus. He looks at us and sees Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Because of Jesus, we do not need to hide from God. We can come to him as mushy pears or hard pears. We can run to him and he accepts us with open arms, showering us with grace and mercy when we need it most. The other reason we're to run to God in our time of need is that no one understands our struggle better than Jesus. Have you ever been through a really tough time and just felt like no one really understands? And the truth is, the only person who really does understand is Jesus. Jesus knows you inside and out. He knows your hopes and dreams. He knows when those dreams have been crushed. He knows when being obedient to God is costly and sacrificial for you. He knows when you're walking in faith, even when it doesn't seem to be making any difference. Jesus... Um, totally gets you. He knows when you're so tired of this world and ready for heaven. He totally gets the brokenness of this world. Verse 7 says, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Jesus wasn't some weird masochist who wanted to suffer. Of course he didn't. And yet Jesus loved us so much that he left the perfection of heaven to come and live as a poor refugee, rejected by men, failed by his friends and sentenced to a death that he didn't deserve. There is nothing that you are going through right now that Jesus doesn't understand. Jesus knows the brokenness of this world and he knows the pain and suffering and struggle that you're facing. He knows it, he gets it, and he invites you and me to hold on tight so that we can receive his mercy and grace when we need it most. So secondly, we are to hold on tight to our faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What can we be confident in? We can't be confident in ourselves because we know we mess up all the time. But we can be totally confident that Jesus paid the price for our sin, making us a part of God's family with access to God who will give us mercy and grace in our time of need. Yesterday, um, we went to West Kirby Beach with the wards. Has anyone been to West Kirby before? Yeah? 
So we, if you remember yesterday, the weather was pretty miserable. It was horrible, in fact. But before we headed to a coffee shop for shelter, we went for a little walk along a concrete path. Now that sounds a bit rubbish, but on one side of the path was a lake. And I mean, Tom says it was a lake. I thought it looked like the sea, but it was, it was a lake. But because of the weather, it was kind of, the waves were splashing onto the path that we were walking along. We, we all wished that we'd drawn our wellies. And although the tide wasn't in at the time, if the tide had been in on the other side of the path, the sea would have been right up to us on the other side of the path. And to anyone who didn't know about this concrete path, they'd have looked at us and, and thought that we were in really dangerous waters. But the solid path beneath our feet made all the difference. We had the assurance that the path was going to keep us safe. But how do we hold on tight to our faith when everything around us feels wobbly and we can't see the path beneath our feet? I'd really love to get practical in this last bit. So here are just a few things that we can do. We can pray. We can tell God how hard it is. Ask him for his Holy Spirit help. We need to be people who pray and keep praying. Invest in your relationship with Jesus. We've been given this incredible gift of prayer. We can talk to God, the creator of the universe. His door is permanently open to us. We don't have to be good at it either. We don't even have to make too much sense. Have you ever held a baby when, you know, the babies can't talk, can they? But have you ever held a baby when they look at you and they look at your face and they start kind of chattering, like the goo-goo-gaga noise that they make? Isn't it just the most beautiful noise? You know, and that's a bit like us and God, I think, in prayer. You know, the baby doesn't have any words and yet it's communicating with us. God loves it when we try and talk to him. We really can't get it wrong. Secondly, we need to fill our hearts with truth. The enemy is whispering lies into our hearts all the time. We need to actively counter those lies with truth. Truth about who God is. We need to be constantly reminding ourselves about how massive God is. At the beginning of this series, I don't know if you remember, Andy helped us remember just how huge God is. He had the picture on the screen of that star that was enormous in comparison to Earth. And then it, you know, it just explained about how many millions and billions of stars there are in the universe. And then there's this little tiny us and God created all of it. As he was sharing, my heart was burning within me. Everything got put into perspective. I just wanted to worship. But we're so forgetful. We need to read the Bible daily to remind ourselves about the brilliance of God. Or listen to podcasts about who God is. Or play music about who God is. Write down God's promises to you. and Put them around your house so you can see them. You know, if we are being bombarded by messages from the world that are not God's truth, then we have to be so proactive about filling our hearts with, with God's truth. Third, 
thirdly, notice when the temptation is to withdraw from church or other Christians. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes when I'm going through a hard time, I, I just want to hide away. I don't want to see other people. And, and I think that that is one of the enemy's tactics. He wants us to withdraw. When you feel yourself isolating, just tell someone, like, t- press in. Keep turning up even when you don't feel like it. Make an extra effort to hang out with people who encourage you to love Jesus more. Get stuck into a community group. Be honest with the people around you. This is one of the most encouraging churches I've ever been a part of. And it's also one of the most real. We were saying in community group last week that you know, we are a group of people that we, we can be really honest and real with each other. You know, we can let it all hang out because we love each other and we want to build each other up. We don't have to tell everyone everything about us, but it's really important to tell somebody because we want to be building each other up. We want to be for each other. Um, and, and we can only do that if we're honest and we, and we share what we're going through. And my last little practical tip is learn how to repent quickly. If your walk with Jesus is anything like mine, you are going to mess up a whole lot along the way. You're going to find your relationship with God feeling pretty distant at times. You're going to find yourself running away from him um, and not to him when actually you need him most. At times you're going to find yourself drifting along and instead of looking to Jesus, um, you'll look to other things for satisfaction. It's normal. This is a normal part of Christian life. I think I've been doing this a bit lately. But know this, when this happens, we are missing out hugely on the grace and mercy that walking closely with Jesus offers. And the best thing we can do is to turn back to God and say, sorry, ask him to help you hold on tight. And the amazing thing is he will. I don't know where your heart is at this morning, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a moment of quiet where you're at. Maybe you want to thank God for paying the price for your sin. Maybe you want to say sorry for not walking closely with him. Maybe you want to invite him to be your friend and saviour for the very first time. Maybe you want to ask for his Holy Spirit help to help you as you go through a really tough time. We're going to talk to God ourselves and then we're going to wait on God for a little bit and ask him to pour out his mercy and grace on us. So just where you're sat, on your own, why don't you talk to God? Mm -hmm.